0: Today's reading is Luke 19, verses 28 through 40. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need for it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, The Lord has need for it. And they brought it to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning, Grace. My name is Esther McCurry, and I am so glad to be up here with you this morning. I think I say this every time I'm up here, but I love this church, and I'm so grateful for this church. I've been here 20 years now. I came first as a single lady, and then as a newlywed, and now as a parent of four children that my husband and I are raising alongside the many of you that are also raising your children here. So as you saw, today is a big day in the Christian calendar. It's Palm Sunday, the day that we celebrate Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Palm Sunday marks the final week of Lent. If you've been around grace, you've heard us talk about Lent. Lent is the 40 days leading up to Easter where we take time to think about Jesus' sacrifice on the cross and prepare ourselves for his resurrection, which we will celebrate next Sunday. Lent also begins, as we've talked, I'm sorry, Palm Sunday also begins, as we've talked about, Holy Week. So this whole week is what we call Holy Week. Starts today with a triumphal entry, and then on Thursday we have Monday, Thursday, and then Good Friday, and of course, Resurrection Day on Easter Sunday. But today we're going to look at Palm Sunday. So if you've if you've given something up for Lent, you're so close. We're almost there. <laughs> if you've been hanging in during the lament of these last 40 days, it is almost celebration time. It's almost victory day. But we get one more time today to pause and think about what is coming ahead. And we do that on Palm Sunday with Jesus' triumphal entry. Before I jump into the text, I wanna ask you a question. Can you remember a time recently when you had an invitation to something and you had to decide one way or the other what you were gonna do with that invitation? Would you say yes, would you say no? Maybe it came in the mail, maybe it came on your phone, on your computer, and you know you have to respond in some sort of fashion to that invitation. Uh, Earlier this year, I was on the Psalms retreat, and Dave and Linda Parsons were on the Psalms retreat, and the Psalms retreat was one week before Super Bowl Sunday. The Rams, as you might remember, were in the Super Bowl. Dave Parsons is a big Rams fan, and Dave had an invitation to a Super Bowl party in the home of a person who had a TV the size of a wall, and Dave had to decide what he was going to do with that invitation. Maybe you had a similar Super Bowl party invitation. Or maybe you've had an invitation to vacation with friends, and you wonder, will it be restful? Will we vacation similarly? If there's kids involved, will the kids entertain each other, or will that cause conflict? Or maybe you've had an invitation to a wedding, and maybe there's travel involved, and you have to decide, do I want to say yes to this, or do I want to say no to this? Is the travel and expense involved worth it? In our passage today, Jesus is giving out his own set of invitations. We're going to see four groups of people who receive an invitation from Jesus, and they have to decide, will they accept his invitation or not? In today's case, the invitation is to accept Jesus as the Messiah and join him in his kingdom work. That is the meaning of this triumphal entry. It is the day in history when Jesus rides into the capital city of Jerusalem and declares himself to be the Messiah and invites everyone with him to join him and be part of his kingdom. But how do we know that's the invitation? How do we know that what Jesus is doing on the triumphal entry, that what he's going to be calling these groups of people we're going to look at, how do we know that what he's calling them into is to accept him as their Messiah? and to join him in his kingdom work. Well, it's because of Old Testament prophecies, prophecies from the Old Testament book of Zechariah, prophecies that are being played out on this day in history. Luke, which we're going to look at today, he doesn't specifically quote Zechariah, but several of the other gospels do. And so before we look at how Luke describes the triumphal entry, I want us to look at the Zechariah passages so we can see for ourselves that in his entry into Jerusalem on this day, Jesus is declaring himself Messiah, the King of Israel, and he's inviting those around him to be a part of that messianic arrival, and he's inviting them to be a part of his kingdom. So we're going to look at the Zechariah passages. I think the first one will be popping up on the screen. And it is from Zechariah 9.9. And we see in this first passage that the Messiah, the Savior, the King is predicted to come on a donkey. So look at Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your King is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he. Humble and mounted on a donkey on a colt the foal of a donkey. Now, a foal of a donkey would have been like a young donkey, a baby donkey that would have never been ridden before. Now, what is the significance? Why that detail? Why a donkey that's never been ridden before? That donkey would have symbolized purity, purity that is fit for a king. That's who Jesus is. And he comes on a donkey, not a horse, because donkeys is what kings rode in peacetime. Jesus is saying something about the kind of Messiahship that he is ushering in. He is not the military leader they expected. He is a peaceful Messiah who rides in on a donkey. But we don't wanna miss the Messiah language. He is a king coming to you. He is righteous, he has salvation. And yes, he comes on a donkey, he comes in peace. So not only was the Messiah predicted to come on a donkey, the Messiah was also predicted to come in a specific location. We can do the next passage. is from Zechariah 14.4 on the east. So the Messiah was predicted to arrive in Jerusalem, but not just anywhere in Jerusalem, on a specific location in Jerusalem, and not just any kind of arrival, but an arrival on a donkey. And so, when Jesus arrives in that city, riding in on a pure donkey, fit for a king, coming from the Mount of Olives, he is declaring to all of Israel, I am the Messiah. And he's inviting them to be a part of his kingdom. So, today we're gonna see the four groups that Jesus invites to accept him as their Messiah and join him in his kingdom work. And as we look at those four groups and we see how they react to this invitation in their lives to join Jesus. I'm hoping that it will give us a chance to also think about how we react when we receive the invitation of Jesus in our lives. As we see how these four groups respond to Jesus' announcement that he is Messiah, it will give us an opportunity also to think, how do I respond when I hear the call of God in my life? So if you want, if you have a Bible with you, you can turn. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19, There's blue Bibles under your seats. If you want to grab one of those, it's page 878. Again, Luke 19. As we begin to read, we're going to see the very first thing is Jesus approaching the city. And as he's approaching the city, he's going to set into motion the events of this day. And as we see the very first one of these prophecies being fulfilled... We actually get to see the first group who receives the invitation, the disciples. Because this first group gets to be part of the fulfillment of that prophecy because they secure the donkey for him. So go ahead and read with me in Luke 19. I'm going to start in verse 28. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. And when he drew near to Bethphage and Bethany at the mount that is called Alvet, And so Jesus is entering Jerusalem. He knows there are prophecies that he is going to fulfill on this day. And he knows the first thing he needs to do is get a donkey. But rather than go get that donkey himself, Jesus invites his disciples to be part of the process. He issues an invitation to this first group that we see this morning to be a part of his messianic announcement. Look again at verse 29 through 30. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, "'Go into the village in front of you, "'where on entering you will find a colt tied "'on which no one has ever yet sat. "'Untie it and bring it here.'" So Jesus invites his disciples to go into the village, find the colt, and bring it back to him. Again, Jesus could have gone himself. He knew obviously where that colt was, but he wanted to issue an invitation to the disciples to give them a chance to be a part of his messianic proclamation and to join him in his kingdom work. And so what do the disciples do? How do they respond? Do they say yes to the call of Jesus in their lives in this moment? Look again at verse 31. If anyone asks you why are you untying it, you shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went away and found it just as he had told them. The disciples say yes. They accept Jesus' invitation. They go and they find it exactly how Jesus has said it would be. I love what it says. The disciples who were sent went. They went and everything unfolded exactly as Jesus said that it would. We're gonna keep going through the passage, but I wanna pause here a moment and see if there might be something that Jesus is calling you into. Is there something, like the disciples on Palm Sunday, that Jesus is inviting you to step out in faith and walk in? Is there a proverbial donkey in the village up ahead that you can't see yet, but that you sense he is asking you to step out in faith and move toward? This could be a new job that you feel him calling you to, but you're a little anxious about it because maybe it's in a new field of work or there's a pay cut and you're not sure you can make that work. Or maybe he's inviting you to end an unhealthy dating relationship because he has something better for you planned in your future. It could be that Jesus is inviting you to begin a new ministry and he wants you to walk in faith toward that village and begin the ministry. This reminds me of Rick and Subini. Many of you know Rick and Subini because they were part of this church for a lot of years. And so you're probably familiar with their story. But for those of you that aren't, let me tell you briefly how they heard the call of Jesus in their lives and stepped forward into faith to walk in that call. For many years, Subini was a cancer, was a nurse on the cancer ward at the VA hospital. And each time a patient patient died, she would see the families that were left behind just overwhelmed by despair and grief. And when she looked around the city at the services they could offer, it felt really minimal. And she felt like we need more for these people. And she heard Jesus inviting her to step out in faith and take action. And so, taking the money that they had saved for retirement... Rick and Sue Beanie created, launched, and financially backed New Hope Grief Support, which is a nonprofit in Long Beach, which for the past 20 years has helped families navigate the loss of a loved one. They heard the call of Jesus in their lives, and they stepped out in faith, in faith that the ministry would help people, in faith that God would provide for their retirement another way, in faith that the invitation that Sue had heard was from Jesus, and he wanted her to walk in it. And the Beanie's lives and the lives of the hundreds of people they have helped will never be the same. My friends, Jesus' call in your own life may not be as drastic. You're probably hoping it's not. That's how I feel too sometimes. (laughs) Jesus' call may not be as drastic. It may be something more simple. It may be he's asking you to step into youth ministry here at this church, helping to disciple the next generation of believers. It could be that he's asking you to invite a neighbor over and begin a new friendship. It could be that he's inviting you to help your aging parents transition into their final years of life. It could be that he is simply inviting you to engage in the events of this Holy Week. Today, as we sit in the triumphal entry. Thursday, as we commemorate Monday Thursday in homes around Long Beach. Friday, as we meditate on the cross. And Sunday, as we declare his victory over sin and death. Jesus is at work, Grace. And he's calling each one of us to join him in that work. Where is he calling you? We're going to keep going. Because as we continue in Luke, we're going to see the second group that Jesus issues an invitation to. As these events of the triumphal entry unfold, more and more people are invited to be a part of Jesus' announcement of himself as Messiah and to join him in the kingdom work. And so we get to see this second group that Jesus issues an invitation to, and it's the owners of the donkey. Go ahead and look in verse 33 now. And as they were untying the colt, the owners said to them, Why are you untying the colt? And they, the disciples, said, The Lord has need of it. So the disciples go into the village, they find the colt, just as Jesus said, and just as Jesus said, the owners say to them, why are you untying the colt? And that seems like a real fair question, because it looks like the disciples are stealing their donkey, and they don't want the disciples to steal their donkey, which makes sense. And so this then is the invitation that the owners get. The disciples issue an invitation to the owners to join Jesus in his messianic work by saying, Jesus needs your donkey. And that's the owner's invitation to let go of their donkey. And they do, they respond. When the disciples say the Lord needs it, they let the disciples take their donkey. And so they get to be part of Jesus's proclamation and his kingdom work. Maybe this morning, Jesus is calling you to let go of something, something that you don't need or something that's a burden to you. Maybe it is a schedule that is so full of sports that there is no room for family dinner. Maybe it's a job that is so stressful or the commute is so far that you get to the end of the week and you've got no margin for your neighbor, for your friends, for your family, or to serve at this church. Maybe it's a house whose mortgage is so great that you feel burdened by it and you are not able to be generous in the ways you want to be generous. My friends, maybe this morning Jesus is asking you, he is inviting you to let go of something. Will you say yes to this invitation? I don't know if you noticed, but the, the word for the donkey's owners is plural. It's owners, which indicates poverty. Some of the, One of the commentaries I was reading was saying that this baby donkey is owned by several people because these people are so poor they can't afford their own donkey. So they share this one little donkey. And when the Messiah comes and has need of their donkey, even in their poverty... They say yes to his invitation and they let go of their donkey. People of grace, if Jesus is inviting you to let go of something, walk in that. He is on the other side. All right, let's keep going. We're going to look at the third group of people that encounter Jesus's invitation during this triumphal entry. As we read in the next section of verses, we're going to see that a crowd has gathered. Word has gotten out about what is going on, and a multitude has come to witness Jesus' arrival. And how will this third group of people respond to Jesus' invitation to be a part of his messianic arrival? Look with me in verse 35. And they brought it, the donkey, to Jesus. And throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen, saying, Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. So the disciples get back to Jesus with the colt. They spread their garments on the colt and they put Jesus on the donkey. Again, why the specific detail about the garments? In the Jewish tradition, the spreading of garments would have been a way to pay honor and prestige to a person of high rank. And so these Jews who are gathering around Jesus want to pay him honor, and so they spread their cloaks on it. And this is the part in the other gospel narratives where there's mention of the palm branches that they wave. Luke doesn't have it here, and scholars think that Luke leaves it out because his mostly Gentile audience, would not have recognized the palm branches as a sign of Jewish nationalism. But we know that there were palm branches, and with those cloaks, it shows the honor that these Jewish people want to pay to Jesus as he rides into their city. But the crowd doesn't stop at that. The palm branches and the garments are not enough. The Bible says a whole multitude of believers began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Hundreds of believers have joined on in this procession and they, the words they shout proclaim Jesus messiahship. Look again at the words that are said because those are specific words that the crowd is shouting. Look at verse 38. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. That phrase is drawn directly from Psalm 118, which was likely a celebration psalm of David's return home from battle. So when we take that language and we couple it with what we heard from Zechariah about the king arriving in from the Mount of Olives on a donkey, there can be no mistake about what is happening here and the people understand it. They know the Messiah has come and they greet him that way, right? They respond to him as a king. They raise a loud voice and shout his praises. And what is their enthusiasm based on? Look again at the second half of verse 38 the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works they had seen. For three years, these people have watched Jesus, they have heard stories about Jesus, and now they see him entering on a pure donkey, riding over a royal carpet of garments, and they declare in the loudest voice possible, here comes the king. This was the third group's invitation. When Jesus arrives in Jerusalem proclaiming his messiahship, he issues an unspoken invitation to the crowd to join him by laying down their garments, by waving their palm branches, and by shouting as loud as they can, peace in heaven and glory to the highest. And they do it. The crowd does it. They eagerly lay down their garments. They jubilantly wave their palm branches. Some of these kids were very jubilantly waving their palm branches. And they shout God's praises because of his mighty works. They respond with joy to the arrival of the Messiah. What does this invitation look like for us today? I'm assuming that many of us are here today because we like the crowd believe that Jesus is the Messiah. We have accepted him as our king, as the savior. And so how do we enthusiastically respond to Jesus' mighty works? How do we respond? Are we like the crowd? Are we enthusiastic in our response to Jesus' arrival and his invitation in our lives? What could that look like? Maybe we keep a prayer journal and we keep a record of all the ways that God has moved and all the prayers he has answered. Maybe we have a habit at the dinner table with our roommates or our family where we each say every day one good thing that God did. Maybe we host a worship night in our backyard and we invite our friends to bring their testimonies of God's victory and we all raise a loud voice and we shout his praises. Or maybe... Maybe. Next time it's worship. Time at church. Put a little sway in our song. And we raise our voices and with our bodies and our mouths and our hearts, we shout praise to the Messiah who has come, who has conquered sin and death, and who is victorious. Amen. How will we spread our garment in joy and raise our palm branch in celebration? As we heard when Kimber read, some in the crowd don't respond that way. Some do not join in the proclamation and the celebration. And this brings us to our fourth and final group of people who receive an invitation from Jesus. But what do these people do with their invitation? What do they do with Jesus' call to join him in his messianic arrival and be a part of his kingdom work? Look with me as we keep reading, as we just see as we see how the the Pharisees respond. I'm going to pick it up in verse 39. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, "Teacher, rebuke your disciples." And he answered, "I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out." The Pharisees, as you're probably aware, were a group of of Jewish religious leaders and they really were wanting to strictly adhere to Jewish laws, and they would have been very well-versed in these ancient texts. They would have known the Old Testament prophecies, and they would have looked at the events of this triumphal entry, and they would have most certainly understood what was going on. In fact, you can tell by their response that they know that Jesus is making a messianic proclamation because they tell him to rebuke his disciples. Because unlike the other groups that we've seen today, this fourth group declines Jesus' invitation. They see Jesus at work and they want no part of it. Because unlike the crowd, this group doesn't believe in the validity of Jesus' claim to be the Messiah. Is it possible this has ever been our response? Have we ever done this? Have we ever heard and seen the call of Jesus in our lives? And instead of responding with a yes We go back to Jesus and say, no, this is actually how it is, Jesus. This is how you should be acting. This is how your believers should be acting. Is it possible that we, like the Pharisees, are tempted to try and squash what Jesus is doing? Maybe we, like those religious leaders, are uncomfortable with Jesus. He's too big, he's too powerful, he's too unpredictable. And we are wary of his mighty works and suspicious of his good deeds. We question the healing we see and we rationalize it away some other way. We feel a tug on our hearts for missions, but we doubt the validity of that call and we doubt our own ability and so we dismiss it. Maybe we hear a story about foster care and we look around the church and we see the amazing works that God has done through these people in that system and our heart is stirred but we stay on the sidelines. Maybe even, like the Pharisees, we attempt to try to stop what Jesus is doing. We use our words and lack of faith to cut down God's encouraging work in the life of another believer. Jesus says, even the stones will cry out. Even dead rocks will proclaim his victory if we will not. My friends, Jesus is inviting us, not just today, but every day, to be like the crowd and to enthusiastically proclaim his Messiahship and his victory and his triumph. In addition to the praise and rejoicing that we are all called to, is there something specific this morning that you feel Jesus inviting you into is there something specific that you feel him calling you that he wants you to join him in for me in my own life in the past 18 months i have felt jesus's invitation to join him in deeper prayer i have always been pretty ashamed of my prayer life of my tiny little prayer muscles and i have felt jesus saying well they're not going to get bigger until you practice until you work them And so in the past 18 months, I have heard Jesus inviting me to join him in deeper prayer. This began about 18 months ago when I heard the call to start spiritual direction. And so now I sit every month with a spiritual leader and we listen to the voice of God in my life. I have also heard this invitation in the quiet moments of my day where I hear Jesus calling me to stop and pray. Yes, Jesus, I will stop and pray. I heard this invitation six months ago when my friend texted me and said, do you want to pray with me once a week? Yes, Aaron Karam, I will pray with you every Thursday morning. Sometimes the invitation is literally printed in the bulletin when they announce the third Sunday of the month, the prayer night. And as my husband and I have been going to those monthly prayer nights, we have found them to be times of deep, deep encouragement and an opportunity to praise our good God and to join with him in his kingdom work. Say yes, Grace. Say yes to where Jesus is inviting you. We're going to have a chance in a minute to pray if you'd like. There'll be the prayer team on the sides. And I want you to be open to receiving prayer if there's something that you feel Jesus asking you to say yes to. Or maybe it could be something we talked about that he's asking you to let go of, something he wants you to release. Or perhaps Jesus' invitation to you this morning is to accept him as your king and Messiah for the very first time. And wouldn't that be amazing? So the rest of us are gonna stand while the prayer team goes to the side, and we are going to continue to worship as we, like the crowd, say, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Amen.